Welcome to episode three of the Redeemer Radio 95.7 Sports Summer Series. I'm Redeemer Radio Sports Director Angel DiCarlo, joined alongside by Jacob Morris and Sharon Versip, the head coach of the Purdue women's basketball team, Mishawaka native, joining us on the other end. Coach, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it. All right. Obviously, we want to talk a lot about your Mishawaka days, but we have to obviously start with the obvious thing that you probably have had to ask answer way too much. And that's about this being your final year coaching at Purdue. Take us through the the process for you of making that decision to say, hey, I want to do one more year. I want to announce that I'm doing one more year because yeah. that's different than what Muffin McGraw did here You know, at Notre Dame. She just kind of just said. I'm done and, and went. Just take us through the process for you of, of deciding uh, the way you went about things. Sure. I mean, um, you know, I've been coaching a long, long time. Uh, I've been doing it over 30 years and, um, you know, uh, kind of had an idea that, you know, four years ago, I, I um, you know, reached out to Katie Gerald's about being an assistant coach, um, you know, because kind of had the idea. Uh, kind of like what uh, Gene Katie and Matt Painter did, you know, to, to have someone that I coach, someone that um, obviously, you know, played at the highest level I coached, as well as being a champion on and off the floor. And uh, she just was very successful, you know, as a coach and tried to get her back four years ago. And, um, you know, she just wasn't ready that, you know, ready yet. And, you know, so I think, you know, we're very fortunate here at Purdue. Um, you know, they really uh, have high regard and respect for, you know, um, you know, people that have come and have given their lives uh, to the program. And, um, you know, so as we're, you know, heading into th this next upcoming year, you know, Katie's been where she's been at for eight years and was really, really successful. And, um, you know, just thought it would be a great opportunity to, um help with, you know, with our president, as well as our athletic director to um, have an opportunity to have a hand in choosing, um, you know, my successor. So that's kind of how it all came about, uh, just thinking, you know, forward thinking. And um, so, yeah, so uh, it was great, you know, when we approached Katie, um, you know, now she was ready, you know, she did some amazing things and now she was ready. And as, as she has said, it's kind of come full circle. I coached her a year. Uh, when she was a senior, I came in and had the, the privilege of taking over the program. And now now I have a year with her on the backside. So um, it's, it's really exciting. When you, you know, talk about leading a program like Purdue for so long, obviously you have such a connection to the program and everything you've built there. When talking about Coach Gerald's, what qualities leadership-wise, coach-wise, make you so comfortable, you know, handing off the program to her? Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing is, you know, just um, – you know, it's all about the person, you know, and Katie, um, you know, hasn't changed. Obviously she's grown and matured and, and um, you know, has been, been extremely successful, but, you know, a lot of things that we talk about here at Purdue is just the high character and the loyalty and the passion for Purdue. You bleed black and gold. And, you know, Katie's a competitor. She's one of the most fierce competitors I've ever been around. She's been a winner everywhere she's been, playing at the highest level professionally and then coaching at Marion. And we've just always stayed connected. You know, she would call and lean on me uh, with, you know, scenarios, you know, hey, hey, coach, some things are happening. How would you handle this? And so we've had a great relationship during that time. And so it's, it's fun um, having her beside me and us working together and, um, you know, just continuing to push the envelope like we did 15 years ago. And, 
you know, she has a lot of confidence. Um, she'll be a great recruiter. And obviously she knows the game. And, you know, this is the, the biggest thing is it being able to develop that together. But, you know, when you take over a, a big program, it's just, you know, the ins and outs, it's running a, a Fortune 500 business. So I'm just blessed and honored and uh, grateful to be able to mentor and consult, um, you know, and kind of teach her that part. Um, you know, managing people, you know, when you have about 20 or 30 people that you're going to manage, how does, how does that all look? You and Katie have a unique relationship in terms of obviously she's a former player of yours, but you only coached her for one year, as you mentioned. Um, but it was a pretty darn good season. You guys won 31 games. You went to the elite eight. Mm -hmm. um, how quickly did you realize that there was a special bond between you two during that season? You know, I mean, it, everything takes time. You know, everybody wants things now. And I think the relationship that uh, Katie and I continued to build, we had high, high respect for one another and that's first and foremost. And then you build that trust as you, you know, as you grow together and things are coming together and you have, you know, you have your successes, you have good days and bad days. So really felt like um, everything really started clicking once I took over. And in November, we went to Baylor and won at Baylor in a, um, a WNIT tournament. And I think that's when it just really flourished. And, you know, she was a great leader on the court because she makes everybody better around her. Like she already knew she was one of the best players and had so much confidence, but for her to build up everybody else, that was the big key that I really wanted her to continue to shine. And, and then we, you know, we just did a lot with her. We didn't sit her in the corner. You know, we, we really did some great things of her coming off ball screens or doing pin down screens and, you know, uh, just being really successful and making her, you know, uh, continue to grow her game. So, you know, we, we really had a great relationship from day one. We knew that, um, you know, herself and myself really had to connect in order for everybody else to follow. And I think that we did that very, very well. Talking about that first season, you know, some might think there would be a lot of pressure taking over your alma mater. And like Angelo said, you guys were fantastic right from the start. What, from a coaching perspective, allowed you to step in and sort of add on and build the culture in the way that you did and have such immediate success in West Lafayette? Well, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, all the coaches prior to me taking over, um, that's the success. You know, everybody, um, you know, the administration here always did a great job of bringing phenomenal people and coaches here and understand, you know, what Purdue's uh, culture is. And, you know, so it was already set up for success. And then when, you know, I stepped in, it just continued with accountability, responsibility, um, you know, discipline, uh, different, you know, different style. Everybody has different styles when they come in. And I think it was the buy-in. I did a lot of team building. Um, I'm one coach that really believes in that and the process and the sooner that we all connected because they were a very talented team, uh, but buying into our staff um, and buying into each other and just a, just a different way. And, you know, so I think that's one of the things that I've always done well is, uh, you know, the team culture piece and the team building, but you got to have players and have it set up. And, you know, the prior staffs have done a great job for us to take over. Coach, uh, obviously it's, it's a weird year because you're kind of asked to reflect, but you're also like, well, I'm not done yet. So I still want to <laughs> ha have another great yeah. season here coming up. But if you go back to those, that, that time when you were hired, and you look at what you wanted to achieve as the Purdue women's basketball coach. Have you reached those levels that you wanted to achieve when you when you took over the program? 
Definitely. Uh, you know, uh, you always want more. You want a national championship. You want more Big Ten championships. But, you know, when, when you reflect and you look back, um, I've always done it the right way with high integrity. Um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I want our student athletes leaving with scholarships and being plastic surgeons and doctors and veterinarians and engineers and, you know, going to their weddings and uh, seeing their young children born, you know, to me, those are national championships right there. So, um, you know, we always want more, uh, but I, but I am so happy. And, um, you know, this last season, I want it to be exceptionally special for all the players as well as uh, Katie and the staff, you know, and it's, um, you know, uh, I, I have no regrets whatsoever. On that same sort of note, uh, I think I know what the answer might be, but what are your hopes for the, excuse me, what are your hopes for this last season as it comes a little bit closer? You know, obviously coming off a COVID year and, um, you know, with, with uh, uh, just the tough scenario with that, some, some teams were able to get through it well. Obviously we struggled a little bit, but being able to now just be back with our student athletes, um, it's so great. Uh, to, to be with them and um, everybody's re-energized and recharged. And, you know, we obviously want to be very successful. You always want to have a chance to be in the top, top six of the big 10 and, and, you know, uh, play as hard as you can be consistent every day, continue to grow, um, you know, go to the NCAA and uh, make some noise there. So, you know, we just have a, you know, continue building blocks. We talk about foundation and um, taking one day at a time and improving and, um, you know, it's been five weeks of summer workouts and um, it's it's been very good, very refreshing and very exciting. You know, including your stops at Maine and, and IU, 418 wins for you in your career, uh, you know, 31 that first year. W would you love to get to 450 career? 32 wins would be pretty fun for the final year, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, no, no. Um, yeah, anything like that. Now, I just, you know, again, you know, if there's any wins, it's not about me. It's about the, it's the people that I surround myself with, whether it's the staff or all the student athletes that I've been honored to, you know, be part of their lives. And, um, you know, uh, our wins can be big, our wins can be small, but just being able to do what I love is, uh, you know, that, that, that's a huge win at the end of the day. You know, Angelo, you know, slightly referenced your time at Maine in that last question. He didn't mention your one year at IU before you, <laughs> you came to your alma mater. What was it like going from in-state rival back to your alma mater with just one coaching season? You know, um, everybody, you know, discusses that. And I still have some really good friends at, at, at IU. I mean, it's always about the people. Are you allowed to say that, Coach? Yeah, I will say that. <laughs> I do. There, there's some, some good relationships in the short year. I didn't say I like the university. No, I'm just teasing. Um, but, you know, going back to the Big Ten, I mean, the Big Ten just represents being a student athlete. So having the opportunity at IU, you know, I was there really the year to the day um, at IU. Um, that team will always be special. I still have, um, you know, good relationships with some of those players. And, um, it, you know, I mean, when somebody takes a chance on you, you know, it's 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 difficult to then make that decision to leave, but it was Purdue. I mean, my alma mater kind of helped build the program that here in the foundation. And so, you know, we were successful, kind of turned that program around um, in one year. So, you know, that was, um, you know, that was very solid. And, 
then be able I guess the hardest thing they said our my dress rehearsal is when IU came here and played Purdue and Purdue obviously was extremely talented like a top 12 team and we ended up beating them here at home when I was at IU so that I guess that was my dress rehearsal or interview for the job here um but yeah I mean going into my 16th season I couldn't be be more proud and happy of uh, being a Boilermaker you had an outstanding playing career at Purdue also. So you've been so interwoven within the program. Mm -hmm. What are you going to miss? And what maybe are you looking forward to being able to take that step back and not have to be day to day, the mm -hmm. Purdue women's basketball coach in the future when, when your time comes to an end after this season? Sure. You know, I think what I'm going to miss is the people. Uh, you know, just the people that are in your lives every single day, it's your family, you know, you sacrifice so much and you're, you're with student athletes, you're with support staff, you're with your own staff, and just the Purdue community, you know, uh, oh, that's what I'll miss the most. And, you know, I think, you know, I'm always going to be involved. I'm always, you know, um, be watching, always be a Purdue fan. There's no question about that. And, you know, it's uh, given 30 years of my life, um, you know, seven days a week, uh, not many holidays, traveling all over, doing X, Y, and Z. So it'll be nice now to be a fan, um, to be able to sit and watch and uh, not have that stress on that sideline every second. <laughs> Do you uh, transition now? We mentioned, obviously, that you're a Mishawaka native. You were Miss Basketball in, in 1984. What got you involved? What first got that itch for basketball? Where did that come from? Was that from, you know, mom or dad? Or how did it all start for you to start playing basketball when you were a kid? You know, when I was growing up in Mishawaka, you know, I was, uh, I did a variety of sports, but I, um, I always tell this, this story, but I was, a, um, I was a gymnast for a while. But this is how I got started. This is a fun fact. So my next door neighbor, when I was uh, a smaller, a little, little blonde girl running around, um, you know, he didn't think I could, you know, be able to shoot the basket. So I would go next door um, and I'd get the ball and I just kept working on my shot, working on my shot. I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight, nine years old. And um, so then, you know, as, as time went on, he would, he would tell me that he would make, give me, you know, a certain amount of money if I would make a shot. So <laughs> I made a lot of shots. So I made a lot of money when I was a young, young, small kid. So uh, that's kind of how I got started. But um you know, when I grew up, I went to the Hums, uh, Hums um, Elementary School, and I had a, um, uh, a male coach, and his name was Mark Rice. And at the time, girls could play on the boys team, or they couldn't at that time. So they kind of had a girls team and a boys team. But if you're good enough, you could play on the boys team. So I was fortunate enough to play on the boys team. And he really just supported me guided me it wasn't easy for a girl to be out there maybe beaten uh, beaten on the boys a little bit and so you know that's where I just became competitive obviously I had to break the barrier playing against boys um, but that's how I kind of became uh, really just loved the game and was extremely competitive you know, Angelo mentioned that that Miss ba Miss Basketball season, and you know, obviously, it's a fantastic career overall uh, at Mishawaka. Is there a memory that stands out? A couple memories from your high school playing days. I guess the biggest with my high school playing days, basketball was, um, you know, I had uh, Marvin Wood was uh, used to be the boys coach um, in Mishawaka, and then he just became a counselor, and um, it was my junior year. 
playing. And our team, um, our coach had a massive heart attack, John Taylor. So um, I went into Marv's office and I started recruiting back then when I was in high school. And I just totally told him, you got to get involved in girls basketball. Will you please be our coach? <laughs> you know, you know, Coach Taylor obviously wasn't able to continue. And so I kind of uh, built a great relationship with Marv Wood, kind of got him involved. And we got down to semi-state. We played Eastbrook. We fell a little short. But being able to be coached by Marv Wood and He's one that, you know, never got uh, too red faced or would yell much, but just remember his piercing blue eyes and, you know, co coaching our girls up. I mean, that's just um, right there. That's just a piece of history. And, you know, he continued to coach girls for a while. So that was that was really special. You've had some Michiana players on your teams over the years, and it felt like you would get back often enough. And I'd see you at the cave quite a bit over the years, maybe probably more so than any coach would. Did you try to find ways to to get obviously you're not that far away, right. but to get back home and and kind of be back at, at your old high school whenever possible? At times, I mean, obviously we were really strong in volleyball and won state championships in volleyball. So whenever I have a time to come back to the South Bend or Mishawaka area, um, I think it's always important that you always remember where it all started and the people that, you know, um, were a big part of your life. And, uh, you know, that's one thing I'll always remember. And it's just nice to come back to the cave. There's so many memories there, um, you know, volleyball and basketball for myself and my teammates and, um, you know, again, I just think, uh, you know, where, where, where you kind of build, did all the building blocks, a lot of sweat and tears, um, you know, during your elementary, middle school and high school, I think those days are really imperative and remember, you know, what you did then to where you are now. And, um, you know, uh, it's fun to come back. Did you always know, even in your playing days in Mishawaka, playing days in Purdue, that you wanted to get into coaching? Was there a specific moment all of a sudden where a kind of light bulb hit you? Or is it just something kind of always in the back of your head you knew you might want to give it a try? Yeah, you know, I think it was in the back of my head. I mean, when I you know, came to school, I didn't think about that. But as you work summer camps and um, did a lot of different things, you know, that we get to do when you come to college and just interact with people, you know, I just felt like when, you know, I, I made an impact and that um, some young kids really listen. So I thought that that would be something kind of special. I wanted to get into commentating uh, kind of the TV part. Um, but in the 80s, that really wasn't relevant for women. And so um, this was another way for me to continue to grow and give back to a game I love. And, um, you know, I just felt like I did make impacts and continue to make impacts in young people's lives. Well, you mentioned not relevant in the 80s for, for women's basketball. To be part of that that growth period of women's basketball in those early years, to see where it's at now, what does that mean to you to, to have such an impact during this time, but just to see that amazing growth that women's basketball has had dur during these 30 years? You know, I think it's, it's really important, you know, and this is what I try to do as a um, – as a woman is continue to teach our student athletes about all those people that knock down walls for myself, you know, and there's going to be more walls and, you know, let's, you know, let's find the ceiling of, you know, um, where women continue to grow in the, in sport, grow in the corporate world, uh, grow, you know, trying to get equal salaries, uh, you know, with men 
you know, so I think it's real important. People paved the path for me, and now I'm going to try to continue to pave the path for this next generation and just how important that is. And, you know, um, I'm all about the foundation. I'm all about having the building blocks, um, you know, always trying to tell, you know, our student athletes that, you know, don't let anybody say you can't do something. You can. There's opportunities. You just got to go after it. You got to, you know, um, head on and do it the right way. And so, you know, if it, at the end of my career next year, if people can say, man, she, she really helped pave that path and really knock down walls and really helped the growth of women's basketball, um, you know, at the end of the day, that would make me very proud. You mentioned there's, you know, still more walls to knock down when it comes to, you know, continuing to build the game and build exposure to women's basketball. What are a, you know, a couple steps that the game can make and how can people continue to build the brand of women's basketball? You know, we always talk about the grassroots and it really starts at a, a young age, you know, um, and, you know, there's a lot of opportunities, but continuing to, to have, you know, you got to have good role models, you know, you got to have, hopefully more females can get out there and continue to, um, you know, continue to teach and grow. I think that's very important. I think you're, you're starting to see, um, so, so many things televised now, and you're seeing women being there doing the commentating, doing the color. Um, you know, I, I think we have, we have an opportunity that the market's out there and we have to continue to show, um, what we're all about, but, you know, it, it starts at a very young age and it starts all over the country, you know, just not pockets of it. And, and so, you know, we, you're starting to see kids are, are pulled in so many different directions and a lot of technology out there. And we, we need people just to fall in love with the game uh, once again and, um, you know, um, teach the fundamental skills and, and put it out there on a platform. And then we have to be successful. Heading back to that 84 season, entering it, did you know you had a chance to be Miss Basketball? Was that not on your radar? And ultimately, you know, winning Miss Basketball, that's one of the greatest achievements, obviously, someone can ever have and what that meant to you. Well, it's still one of the, uh, I guess, the accolades that means uh, the most to me. And it's really ironic. Um it was in 1976 and I was sitting on the couch uh, with my dad watching the, the first Indiana girls basketball um, state championship that was actually televised for girls. And Judy Warren was on the team playing for Warsaw and she was Miss Basketball. And I told my dad that I'm going to be like Judy one day, I'm going to be Miss Basketball one day. And so um when we're talking about growing the game, that made an impact seeing girls play basketball on TV and, um, and seeing someone at that caliber. So it was an ironic story. And I, and I see Judy about once a year, but, you know, um, I somehow was able to have an opportunity to, to meet her when I was in, you know, between my seventh and eighth grade year. And I got to go and I stayed with her for like a week and worked her camp in Warsaw and, um, she taught, she just taught me a lot about the game, a lot of one-on-one, um, you know, and then I just continued to be competitive, played against boys, seventh and eighth grade, and then got into high school and, you know, just played a lot of AAU, but, um, I had to drive, I was self-motivated. No one had to tell me I had to go out and, you know, work out or get shots up. My parents always had to call and get me in the house. Um, I would, you know, set goals. And I think my gymnastics background really helped with my whole discipline besides my parents. So, 
did I think it was achievable? You never know. Um, I thought I had, you know, did pretty well, but I went downstate and won state volleyball. So a lot of people saw me playing volleyball downstate. So they knew the athlete that I was. And then, you know, getting that phone call, there's nothing like it, um, you know, and I'm just honored today when I go back and see all the Mr. and Miss basketballs. By the way, just to double check here, you mentioned volleyball quite a bit and, and that achievement of w- winning state. You mentioned gymnastics. Were, 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 was basketball your best sport? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I like basketball. I thought it was, uh, for me, basketball you have to be really good at everything. Um, so for me, I thought it was the most difficult sport. So I always was driven to, to get after it and, and be the best at whatever I could be, but I could have went and played volleyball at the number one, uh, university of Texas for Mick Haley or play basketball. And I chose basketball. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. When, when you talk about the recruiting process of being in high school, um, obviously, you know, going to Purdue, jumping from Mishawaka to Purdue, what's, what is, how does it look different nowadays? You know, how you were recruited to Purdue versus how you're now recruiting players to come to West Lafayette. What has changed in that whole process? Absolutely everything you can imagine. <laughs> um, everything. You know, we, I didn't have a cell phone back then. We didn't have Twitter. We didn't have TikTok. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have Facebook. Um, you know, they could come and watch you whenever you wanted to. Um, you know, but now it's just changed so much. I mean, the, the, the style and the way we communicate to young people um, just with technology is big. I talked to you about Zoom earlier. I've been Zoom, I was Zoomed out for a whole year and then I forgot how to Zoom in with you guys. <laughs> um, you know, but I mean, it's, um, it's constantly, you know, you're talking to, um, you know, AU coaches, you're talking to trainers, you're talking to a conditioning coach, your high school coach, uh, everyone that's involved in the, the young person's life. Um, you know, going in and having, you know, we can't do it now because of COVID and this year, you know, contacts going into schools and having a contact period in September. And, you know, so, I mean, it, it, the gamut has changed and they keep changing the rules and how often you can talk and, um, you know, you can talk to kids uh, depending on their year, you know, every day or before you could only call like once a week or X, Y, and Z. So um, it, it's just uh, a lot more quantity, um, and then, you know, uh, I think with COVID, it kind of helped. We, we couldn't go anywhere. So you had to Zoom and you had to be really creative and you had to bring the universities to them and to their household and really get to know them. And I think you got to know the parents and the student athletes better through Zoom. Um, but then you, you had to be creative in what you did because just talking isn't always just fun <laughs> staring at each other. So, but, it, but it's changed and it will continue to evolve. Um, you know, there's usually new rules every two, two to three years. So, uh, but yeah, it's drastic. drastic. And one of the ways things have evolved is now name, image, and likeness. What, what are your thoughts on NIL and, and have you been able to wrap your head around it? Cause it, it just came to be so, so quick. Yeah. You know, I think it's, I think there's a lot of things that none of us still totally understand. I think they've given us a footprint. Uh, of, of what it's like, you know, I think, you know, when the student athletes, you know, if they're working camps or they're, you know, trying to, you know, if it's fashion or, you know, whatever they're trying to do, um, you know, everybody has different thoughts on those things. But I think one thing for the student athletes is, you know, now that it's out there, um, it's kind of like real world stuff, um, meaning that, you know, you, you're going to get taxed on the money, you're, you know, you've got to create things on your own that, you know, we're, it has to be, you know, done by certain, certain rules. And, you know, we can kind of 
see if you're doing it the right way, but really we're kind of out of that, you know? Um, so I think it's, um, you know, again, I think it's just evolving and I think it, uh, it it's going to have its hiccups, um, you know, for the student athletes, but, you know, we saw this coming down the pike probably the last two, three years. All right. It's 1987 coach. If NIL exists, who's your sponsor? <laughs> oh my goodness. I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even think about any of that stuff back in the eighties. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but I would probably just run camps like I do now. I just have, you know, I just love working with people. Um, you know, so it would be more of that. Um, you know, obviously we could get, you know, back then maybe, maybe I'd get a $20 sponsor today. Kids are getting four or $5,000 sponsors. Um, yeah, I, God, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know where to start. Cause that wouldn't even be one random thought in my head at that time. I mean, in some ways you, you kind of got it started with those buckets in the, in the backyard when you're seven, eight, nine years old, that maybe that was the earliest version that we didn't know about. See, you know, if I make $25, that was a lot back then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one last question for you. And it's not women's basketball related. Uh, I want to ask you about Jaden Ivy and seeing oh. what he's done. Uh, what's it been like seeing him? Um, grow the way he has and, and the way he's put Purdue on his back and, and how great he's been uh, down there in West Lafayette? Well, first of all, I love his mother. Neil Ivey's absolutely amazing. Um, you know, so uh, they're, they're a great tandem together. But, um, you know, Jaden is just so competitive and he just goes after it, you know, and I think you know, th those are the things that really separate uh, good players and great players. He has no fear. Um, and he, when he steps on the floor, he thinks he's better than you. And, you know, he just continued to grow and keep getting better and, you know, uh, coachable, listening to Coach Painter and his staff. And, you know, and, and when you come in and make an impact, it, it, you know, right when he stepped on campus, that was huge, you know, but I know he'll you know, we'll discuss, you know, how, how we came in initially and then how it just continued to grow and the competitiveness uh, in the Big Ten, hitting the big shots. But a lot of kids don't want to hit, you know, or, or don't want to take that last shot. And he doesn't, he wants to take that last shot. If he makes it, if he doesn't, he'll take responsibility for it. And so his, his confidence and his responsibility for, you know, what he leaves out on the floor, I think is extremely impressive. Coach, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. 30 minutes of your time. I know it's summer, but I know you're always busy. So we, we appreciate you taking the time to reflect not only in your career at Purdue, but also your time at Mishawaka. Well, thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. That's Sharon Versip, the head coach of the Purdue women's basketball team. For Jacob Morris, I'm Angel DiCarlo. This is the Redeemer Radio 95.7 Sports Summer Series.